Amen. Yeah. Well, we're going to start something. I'm going to endeavor to do something, honestly, I've never done before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that I've never preached out of Psalm 119, because I have. There's a lot of good material in there, but, I, but I've never taken it and made a series out of it, if you will. Um, so this won't be your typical expository verse-by-verse type teaching, because um, Psalm 19 can be considered long. It, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. Yes, it is, 176 verses. And so we're not going to preach verse by verse because it's written more like a poem or a song. It is a song, which is a song poem, if you will. And so if you try to read and, and do verse by verse, you, you come upon the same verse written differently several times. But there are some themes that David really brings to light throughout this psalm, and that's what I want to do. So it's more of a themed verse uh, uh, based series out of one chapter in the entire Bible. And we're going to be spending a lot of time here. So if you have your book, the good book, the Word of God, you might want to open it to, to Psalm 119. If you have an iPhone, iPad, iCarumba, turn that on to Psalm 119 as well. And a lot of people brush past many of the Psalms, especially this Psalm, because it, it is so long and and it, it feels almost repetitive, uh, but I got to tell you, in the great length that it is, there is some real depth to this psalm, and it's, it's, it's really worth taking some time to explore. The kind of the way I have it mapped out right now would take about five weeks, and of course, we have Palm Sunday coming up, and we have a special guest in two weeks for that, and then Easter is the following weekend, so I, I, I'm not preaching out of Psalm 119 on Easter uh, so, you know, it'll be spread out, but we're going to spend some time here. Um, but before I do, I want to just give you a, a, a snapshot, uh, some background about this particular psalm. It is written, um, or comprised of 22 different stanzas, if you will, each being eight verses long. So there's 176 verses. Each verse is two lines long. If you look at your Bible, you see the, the way that it is laid out. And it, it, it each one begins, each stanza begins with the, the uh, chronic, let me say it this way, chronologically begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So many times you may be asked by, by new Christians and stuff, and even seasoned Christians, so what does uh, Aleph mean and Beth and, and Gimel? That's the Hebrew alphabet. So some people speculate that, um, Matter of fact, it's, it's big in the, in the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's, it's believed that David actually used this psalm to teach his son Solomon the Hebrew alphabet and also spiritual life because it covers both. I am not going to take the time to teach you the Hebrew alphabet, and I should get an amen right there because you, you know how I am in pronouncing Hebrew. That is not my strong suit. And I am not going to take each stanza and preach out of Psalm 19 for 22 weeks because uh, this doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And besides that, David's writings and, and what feels like length, it really gives, it gives place to more length, if you will. You could start chasing this thing out throughout Scripture. And a matter of fact, anybody familiar with the name Charles Spurgeon? 18th century preacher that a lot of us preachers read his writings. He actually wrote 398 pages about this one song. 
Because there's a lot of stuff. I have not read all 398 pages, nor do I think I will. He, he writes with a King James flair, and, and it's good writings. And I do look to those when I'm putting sermons together, especially uh, sermons like this one. I've been reading a little bit of that, trying to, trying to wrap my mind, because it's, it's not easy to stay focused on what we need to do. And he called that, that particular, um, those 398 pages, it's called the treasury of David. So really in this book, in this chapter of this book, you find the treasury of David. Uh, there's another preacher that he, he wrote 190 sermons just out of this chapter in the Bible. So what, what I'm trying to say is it can be lengthy. It can, it can seem to go on and on. But what I want to do, uh, I want to simplify it. I want to pull out a few themes that I see throughout this chapter, and I want to preach to you about those things. Amen? And I, and I want you to notice um, um, that, that as we get into this thing, uh, that it's just throughout the Word of God. And so I've got this challenge. You know, we just spent a week in prayer. We've talked about that. 110-plus hours of praying in this room and many requests on this board. And, and so this week, my thought, my thought from the Holy Spirit, I do believe, was that we would commit ourselves as a church, as a body, to read and to read in unity, to read corporately. So what I want to ask you to do is I want you to read Psalm 119 in its entirety this week. So if you take 25 verses, you'll have to pick one day and read 26, you will read all 176 verses by next Sunday. And we will be reading together like we've been praying together. And I believe God, as you will see through my message today, is going to do some pretty crazy things. Amen? It's, it's important. I really believe that God is, is orchestrating our messages and orchestrating our time together for the breakthrough that he has for us. And so if, if you don't sense the urgency in my spirit coming to you that I want us to read this together, please understand that, that I would like for us to read this together as a family. I don't care how you break it up. I'm just trying to help you if you want to read it all in one night. But I want us all to spend time this week in this psalm. Can we do that? And I believe God will reveal some things to you, even outside of what I want to share with you today. So the first and most obvious theme that I want to spend time talking about today is the Word of God. The Word of God, how powerful, important the Word of God is in our life. And, and as, as little as you may know about this psalm, there is one verse that you probably are all very familiar with. Verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. The Word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we will be talking about that in a little bit uh, deeper way here in just a minute. But I, I, hate, I need to make a disclaimer. You need to have an understanding that there are many words in this psalm that, that are re referencing the Word of God, things like precepts, commands, law, testimony. When you read that, it's talking about the Word of God, okay? So, I've just, I know it's elementary for many of you, but some of us, we just need to hear that. Maybe we've never been told that. I have to teach every once in a while, too. So I'm about ready to start preaching. Amen? But I need to pray before I go any further. God, I need you. We need you. Your word is powerful and able to go out and accomplish what it was set forth to do. And we know that, God, and we believe that. It's our hearts and it's our ears and it's our minds sometimes that it's closed off to the word of God. And, Lord, I feel... As the direction our church is moving, this is an important time for Grapevine, that we've spent time together 
praying corporately this last week in prayer. And now we will break bread together through the word of God. And I pray that today that you would, if there's one under my voice right now that has lost their love, lost their desire to read the word of God, that you would rekindle that fire in our hearts, Lord. And for those of us that love your word but have been neglecting it a little bit, God, I pray that we would find time. Holy Spirit, open our schedules up so that we can spend a little more time in your valuable word. And help me today to preach the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I'm a little parched probably from sucking fuel all day yesterday. I mean, I was literally from from here to my mom away from where they were doing pit work, you know, 14 seconds to change all four tires and fill that thing up with gas. I'm like, dang, try that at the tire shop, right? Four hours later, like, man, dude, I mean, got stuff to do. So, so bear with me if I if I get a little parched here. Number one, if you have one of these, this is what I'm referring to. The word of God has implications on how you walk. It has implications on how you walk. So, the way I want to do this is I'm going to read several verses to you. Then I want to break down those verses. I want to unpack them, if you will, for us today, and kind of do some teaching and some preaching about this subject right here. In Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3, just to get us started, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Verse 9, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to to the word. Verse 11, you know this one, read this one with me. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 24, your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And again, 105, read this one with me. I know we just read it, but read it together. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is powerful. And David is clearly saying to us today that our involvement in the Word of God, our daily interaction in the Word of God, our knowledge of the Word of God has a direct and dramatic impact on how we walk out our Christian lives. There are a lot of blind Christians running around, and it's because they are not taking the time to learn what is in this book. In fact, he states in verses 11 and verse 3 that it is the word of God that keeps us from sinning. God's word keeps us from sinning because, uh, let me say it this way. As a baby Christian, when I first gave my life to the Lord, there were certain mannerisms, certain behaviors that I had that were not sinful. I didn't think so. I got saved, swore like a sailor. I used to be a sailor. Didn't see a problem with it. Looked at women a little funny. No kids in the room, right? Didn't see a problem with it. But as I learned the word of God and how my mouth is an instrument for destruction and how foul things should not come out of it and how I'm supposed to view the opposite sex, all of a sudden my heart started being convicted about such things. And it began to change me. Now, if I think of a thought like that, I don't say cuss words. I don't. I haven't had one slip out of my mouth in years. They just don't slip out. They slip to here, though. Can I be honest with you? 
I'm still human. But I'll tell you what, even the Word of God, more of the Word of God even purges it from there. But it stopped us from coming out of here. Amen? God is good. And His and all the time, I can't even say that without there being a conversation involved, huh? Not around here. That's okay. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're, listen, I believe that people fall into sin because of a lack of the word of God in their life. And without his word, it's hard to know what's right from wrong because the world teaches us one thing and God's word says something entirely different a lot of times. And a lot of us fall to the gospel of Google and we think it's the truth. And I got to be honest, just because it's on the internet does not make it true, does it? It doesn't. I'm sorry. I just crushed somebody's bubble. Even those great websites that we go to. I love the one called gotquestions.org. It has a lot of biblical knowledge there. But I will tell you this. Be careful in there because it's written from a different denominational perspective than what we believe. So there are some variances, some nuances on the Word of God that are a little different than what we know and believe to be the truth. So when you're out there entertaining yourself with the gospel of Google, be very careful. Google is not a gospel. It's my joke, okay? Be very careful with the things that you read and that you believe. It is not all truth. I'm sorry. We hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. You know what I think our issue is? I know. I'm going to step on some toes today. And trust me, I love you. I'm not mad at anybody. We hide sin in our heart. And we never get enough of the word of God in our life to drive that sin out. There are hidden places in our hearts. There, there are things in our hearts that some of us have had a hard time letting God's word into. Behaviors and, and addictions and strongholds. And I'll tell you, if you let God's word in there, you will never miss it. Some of us are fearful of letting that thing go because we think we're going to be empty hearted. I'll tell you, you'll be more full than you've ever been. Can I get a witness? Those of you that have experienced, you know I'm not just preaching pie in the sky stuff. This is the truth, and the truth will make us free. See, David's clear. He says our only hope for walking without sin in our life is to live according to God's word. It's the only way. It's the only way to overcome sin is through the word of God. We know this. You don't have to turn there. You can write this down. Hebrews 9 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin, right? So we're saved by the blood. But listen, we are washed by the word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 says that, tells us that we're washed by the word of God. See, Jesus' work was perfect. Amen? It will get you to heaven. It will get you to heaven, but it's the word of God that will help you to work here. I love that old, that old hymn, Mike. Man, I remember singing that when I was brand new in church. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right? That, that is so true. But after the blood is applied to our lives, after we're saved, we need to move from, listen, a blood bath to a word bath. See, we don't need the blood of Jesus we don't need the blood of Jesus now that we're under the blood of Jesus, now that we're covered by the blood. What we need in our life and in our heart is the word of God. And we keep running to Jesus and say, Jesus, cover me with your blood. And God's saying, no, run to my word. 
Run to my word, child of God. My word is where the power is. My word is where your success is. My word is how you'll learn to walk this walk. Listen, the blood will still cover your sins as you continue to sin daily and fall short of the glory of God. It will cover you. But the thing that removes that, the thing that gets you to stop stumbling on the things you're stumbling on, is the word of God. The word of God. You agree with me, huh? Put you on the spot like that. What if she had said no, I'd be like... That'd be embarrassing for her. No, I'm kidding. I love you. <laughs> oh, man. Verse 24 told us that the word of God is our counselor. It's our counselor. See, we have a multitude of counselors all around us. We got Dr. Phil. We got Oprah Winfrey. We got political, political candidates, right? Republicans and Democrats are like trying to tell us. Well, how we should live and what we should do. We are overwhelmed with voices in our life. We're over, overwhelmed and overcome with opinions. And I, here, I'll put, it, I'll put it a clean way, but my daddy used to always say, opinions are like everybody has one. Did you get that? Do I have to stand on the stage to show you? Everybody has an opinion. Doesn't necessarily make it right now, does it? And David said it's the opinion and the standard of the word of God that should be louder than all the other voices in our life. This should outweigh the other things in our... Some of you are cracking me up because you can't stop laughing about some of the things I'm saying. But it's the standard. It, this is the standard. This is the standard. Brother Larry, when he just preached, this is the, the standard. The word of God. Hallelujah. That almost cost me 200 bucks or something. I don't know. This is the standard. This is the opinion that matters. I, I, love, I love voices in our life. I love, I love mature Christians and, and even immature Christians, baby Christians, fellowshipping together, trying to encourage one another, loving on one another. That's all biblical good stuff. But, man, if it doesn't line up here, number two. The Word of God has implications on how you weather. I'm not talking about the weather outside. I'm talking about how we walk through storms, how we weather storms, how we, how we persevere trials. Come on. This is going to hit home because we've been walking through some family as a family. Amen? But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the wonderful thing that's not even in my sermon. We haven't been alone. We've been walking together. We've been praying for one another. We've been putting it on the board for everybody to read it. God's going to move those to there. God's going to move those to there. Eh, he already has been. Verse 28, my soul melts. Oh, let's read this together. Verse 28, my soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Look at verses 61 through 62. The cord of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I will rise to give you thanks because of your righteous judgments. Verse 74, those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. Verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Verse 165, great peace, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. 
169, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Word up. I'm sorry. 175, let my soul live and it shall praise you. And let your judgments help me. Help me. Some of us are in the midst of a storm. Some of you have been weathering a storm, and it, and it seems like it's ongoing, and, it, and you've got significant trials and heartaches that you're facing in your life, and some of you are walking through some real serious stuff. I'm not going to discount your stuff. But David shows us that it's the Word of God that enables us and empowers us to overcome these things. It's the Word of God that, that it doesn't necessarily change the circumstances, not all the time, but it changes you. It changes me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The Word of God changes me. It makes me into the man of God I'm called to be. Some of us are praying, oh, God, help me to become the man or woman of God you call me to be. And God's saying, I'm trying. I wrote you a book on how to do it. I gave you an instruction manual. Many of us are mad because our kids didn't come out with an instruction manual tied to the toe. But God gave you new life and tied an instruction manual to your toe. Amen? called the Word of God. All right, maybe it's not tied to your toe, but. You know, His Word strengthens us. And if you're weathering, if you're walking through a storm, you, you need, listen, listen, you need the strength that comes from the Word of God, not your best friends. I'm not discounting that. I am not. That's not where your strength will always come from. You don't need another vacation. Well, I do, but you don't. No. You, you don't need a shopping trip. Come on, somebody. You don't need a big settlement. You don't need the rich uncle you never met to die and leave you a trillion dollars. You, you don't need that. It would be nice, but you don't need it. You don't need another drink or a drug. You don't need another opposite sex in your bed. You don't need another same sex you don't need, you don't need, you need the Word of God. David says that when we're bound, we can learn to praise God right there, right at the midnight hour. Listen, do you have enough Word in you to turn your midnight hour into a praise party? Do you? Do you have enough Word of God in you to turn your gripes into glories? Come on, do you? Do you have enough of the Word of God? Do you know enough to turn your, to turn your tests into testimonies? Do you have enough of the Word of God to turn your pouts into praises? Well, that's what we need to do. Come on. I ran out now. I, I wanted some more of those. I was, Come on, give me some more of those, Lord, because the church loved those things. I know. Because they're easy to remember, right? Verse 74 said that the Word of God becomes this place where our hope rests. It's where we find our hope, and we're looking for it in all the... Looking for... I'm sorry. I'm not going to... I am thinking about it. And it. Listen, in other words, if you're going through a tough place, you have to remember that, that our hope is in the word that has already been promised. You know, the word of God is yes and amen. The promises in this book are for every Christian believer in this room. They are. God's not saying, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. No, he's saying they're for you. They're for you. Claim them, read them, understand them, know them, and believe them, and live them. Amen? Some of us have no hope because we don't turn to the Word of God. Some of us are 
walking through dry, painful places, and we're waiting for the phone to ring. And someone on the other end to offer us hope. We're waiting for Pastor Ron or, or another pastor or leader to prophesy over us. And, and i got to tell you, I want to do those things. I want to speak the word of God over you. But there's some responsibility that falls on us. It's, it's getting the word of God in our life. See, we cannot... We cannot depend on others. We have to place our hope in God alone. In God alone. Listen, that's a decision. That's a choice. That is an act of your will. See, Jesus, many of us just want the blood because that doesn't cost us anything. See, the blood of the lamb is easy for you and me. It costs him everything. But it's easy for us. All we have to do is say yes. The word of God now requires something. It means I've got to open the book. I've got to read. I've got to read. I've got to do it again tomorrow. I've got to do it again the next day. See, Jesus died once, and we just want to claim the blood. I just, just the blood, just the blood, nothing but the blood. And it washed away our sins. But many people in the church today, I'm not talking about anybody here because you guys are all awesome, but there's a lot of people in the church today that aren't growing. And it's because they don't have the word of God in them. So my challenge to this church is that we would spend time, more time in the word of God. Amen? I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I don't have your prayer calendar in front of me. I don't have your your your. I put stuff on my iPhone. I put it in my calendar because I have to have alarms. I have to have reminders. I do. I get busy. The life of a pastor and the life of anybody is a busy life. But you need to discipline. We need to discipline ourselves. Verse 165 said that his word brings peace. Can I tell you that no word equals no peace? Can I tell you that we have been standing on this? since January 1, and believing God for peace, and it has not been the most prevalent thing in our life. And I can say this confidently, that I believe a lot of it has to do with, with our lack of the knowledge of the Word of God. A lot of it had to do with us not praying like we should. I, hey, I confessed Monday that my prayer life had been, I, I shut myself in. I shut myself in, but I go in that room, and I'm like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, Lord, la-da-da-da-da-da-da, la-da-da-da-da-da-da, praying in tongues. But the praying and understanding just was, it was like, you ever felt like it's just hitting the ceiling? It's not getting through. That's how I felt till Monday, man. And then Monday night in this prayer meeting, boom, right through the ceiling, amen? And many others said the same thing for them. So we all go through seasons like that. So that was value, but I'll tell you what's next for us. It's, it's taking up the, I'm calling it the 119 challenge, okay? The Psalm 119 challenge. Take it up. Read it. Read it together. We're going to do it this week, and we might, I might ask you to do it again next week, just so you know. <laughs> you have to read the same thing twice? Yes, you should. You really should. <laughs> I read the Bible once 20 years ago. Okay, let's do it again. Do that again one more time. David said that through his word, nothing can make you stumble. 
The Hebrew word for nothing is kind of tricky. It actually means nothing. N- nothing. Yeah, there's no, there's no variance on that word. It means that when you have the word of God in your life, that nothing can make you stumble. There will be stumbling blocks, but you won't trip. Come on. I'm not saying your, tr- your trials will cancel. I'm not saying you won't have another valley. I can't say that. I would be, I'd be lying to you if I stood up here and say you won't have another trial in your life. Jesus said, you're going to have more de- to deal with than I did. They hated me. Check out what they're going to do to you. Huh. But nothing can make, listen, I, I want to get personal. There's not, there's not a nasty divorce that can make you stumble. There, there's not persistent illness and sickness that can make you There's not financial na- nightmares that can make you stumble. There's no crazy kids that can make you, come on, that can make you stumble. There's no evil employers, Pastor Stu, that can make you stumble. Nothing, nothing can knock you off your game when you're in the Word of God. It, They'll come, the darts will come, but this is our shield, the word says. We think we're always fighting with a sword. Do you realize this is also your shield? It's your weapon. You can use it to defend yourself, but more than that, it's your shield. It protects you from the fiery darts of the enemy. His word brings understanding to our life, and it sustains us. His word says is a refuge. You want to know something about a refuge? You have to run to it for it to work. Anybody from the south? Storm shelters? I've never had one. Storm shelters? Does it do you any good if you're not in them? No. They don't do you any good if you're not in it. A refuge does you no good unless you're in it, unless you run to it in the storm. This is what you run to in the storm. The Word of God. I hope that you're getting this because this is powerful, people. Based on where we've been as a church, this is this is a life-changing message for us. Amen? The Word of God. Number three has implications on how you war. We talked about this last week. I spent a lot of time on facing incredible odds. Verse 157 in Psalm 119 says, Many are my persecutors and my enemies. Have you felt like that you're surrounded on all sides? He goes on to say, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I don't run away from your word. I run towards your word. I run towards the refuge. I run towards the shelter. We want God to defend us, but most of us don't know how to fight, or we don't know how to ask God how to fight. We like to fight in our own power and in our own might and our own understanding, and the, and the result is we get bruised up, battered, defeated, beat down, sucker punched, or worse, we win. When we win the battle in our own might, there is always a bloodbath behind us, usually of people we care about, usually of people we worship with in fellowship. Usually that's when gossip starts and jealousies arise and ownership starts taking place. That's my ministry. No, it ain't. Who gave it to you? God, yeah, it's his ministry, right? David tied our ability to war correctly to the knowledge of the love and the love of God's word in our life. He tied those two things together. Last week when we talked about facing 
incredible odds in Second Chronicles, the Bible told us to stand and to go out, and we were just like, what do you mean? How do you stand and go out? And we talked about prayer being a way of standing still but going out against the enemy. I'll tell you what, reading the Word of God is another way of doing that, standing still in the things of God but battling. Come on, somebody. Here's letter A. It enables you to answer your enemy correctly. The Word of God enables you to answer your enemy correctly. Verse 42 says, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. I trust in your word. Listen, this would be a major leap for many of us in this room today if we would, if we would allow God's word to take command over our mouths. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm moving on from there. I don't wanna, I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick on nobody. Listen, we do, dis- we do damage, we destroy, we inflict pain with our mouth. And David says that if we get the word into us, You'll know how to answer those people who are talking about you, talking junk about you, right? You'll know how to answer those people who are taunting you. You'll know how to know, answer those people who are coming against you. You'll have a good word for them, amen? You'll have a clever word. It'll be a word from the Lord. We want to go in our own understanding. I'll tell that punk what to do. No, you won't. It'll just get you in more trouble. How's that working for you, Dr. Phil? His word makes you wiser than your enemy. The word of God makes you smarter than your foes. Verse 98 says, You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Listen, you, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they, for your commandments, are ever with me. Not my enemies. They're all, yeah, they're always going to be there. But the word of God is always with you. It will not depart from you. Once you get it in your heart, it stays there, family. And the word of God says that he will bring to remembrance those things. But you got to read them to be able to remember them. Many of us, we just, we just continue to fight dumb. How, how much more effective would we do if we fought with the wisdom of God on our side? Some people are pulled into defeat over and over and over and over again. And it's because they fail to see the wisdom that the Word of God is bringing into their lives. I'm telling you, if you replace that thing with God's Word, you will overcome. You will, you will overcome. There's no chance for me, Pastor. Yes, there's a chance for you. You will overcome. I think about when Jesus was tempted, basically assaulted by the devil himself. He didn't even use his own understanding. He didn't even use his own intellect. He used the word of God. Jesus, son of God, used the word of God to fight the battle. That should say something to us. That should be a clue, especially for someone as clueless as I can be. You know what I'm saying? Oh, if Jesus did it, then maybe I should try it. You know what I'm saying? Right? <laughs> Sorry. Here, here's my last. Here's my last point. His 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 word. It's a shield. We talked about this a little bit, and it's in verse four, one fourteen. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. See, without the word of God, we are vulnerable, and we're unarmed, and we're out there. Facing, like I told you last week, a very real enemy. 
There is nothing made up or make-believe about our enemy. He's very real, and he has a very real plan to either kill, steal, or destroy you. But God has come to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. And the blood of the cross, please don't, if you thought I was discounting the blood earlier in my statements, not at all, because it is enough. It is enough to get us to eternal life. It is enough. It is the only thing that matters to the unbeliever. But as a believer today, if you're a believer in the house of God, you know the most significant thing, the thing that you should place most priority on in your life is the word of God. And I'm praying, I'm praying that we would be a church that loves his word. Many of you do. I'm not discounting where you're at. But don't you think we all have room to grow? Sometimes I'm the honest, most honest guy in the room, and I'm the pastor. I always have room to grow. Always. I have not arrived. When I arrive is when I'm out of this body, and you don't see me no more. Amen? Some of you have a deficiency of fellowship. Some of you have a lack of accountability. But what, what I'm most concerned with is that many people in the house of God have a lack of the word of God in their life. So I pray, my heart to you today is that you will take this challenge. You will read with us this psalm and whatever else you're reading. Put this in, included. It took me about 10 minutes to read the 25 verses. I did it this week just to time it out. And that was reading slow, chewing on it a little bit. You could spend more time. You don't want to rush through it, though. It is the Word of God. Some of you, the only place you get the Word of God in your life is here in this room. It's not healthy. It's like if you are sick and you have a disease and you're required to take a medication, and the only time you take it is when you go to the doctor's office. Stay sick. Matter of fact, you probably get sicker. God wants to develop some healthy people right here in this room. Would you stand with me this morning? There are a lot of things in our life that seem like they fill that void. But there really is only one way to fill the void, and that's the Word of God. Some of us been guilty of this, serve. We serve and we serve and we serve and it feels like that void's filled because we're giving and we're making a difference and man, that's good stuff, but nothing replaces the word of God. Matter of fact, it'll make you a better servant. So if you don't have the word in your life, you will stumble, you will feel surrounded by your enemies, you'll feel overwhelmed and eventually you will surrender. I don't know about you, but I am not in the business of surrendering. I am not going to surrender my will to his. Amen? Lord, the word of God is powerful. And we released it today in this room, in this atmosphere. And I pray that it hits our hearts right where it needs to be. You would encourage us to embrace the word of God. Love it again. Those that may have grown cold towards it. Those that maybe are just reading, going through the motions feeling 
power of it or sensing your presence in it, I pray that that lid would be lifted right now. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here right now in this place and you say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. I have not given my heart and life to him. Before we leave this place, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. If you're here and you need a Savior, you need Jesus, would you show me your hand? Say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'd like to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Praise God, we're all family. I see a hand, I see a hand, I see another hand. Praise God. If I forget to say it after this prayer, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Can we pray this together? Grapevine family, say, Jesus, I need you. You are the word. Come into my life. Help me to live for you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying for me. And I accept your gift today freely in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise one more time in this place. Well, hallelujah, God is good. There you go again, and all the time. Hey, if you're a first-time visitor, follow.